Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. Fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches. Hello and welcome to uh, Driving Time on Fifth Wrist Radio. This is episode seven. I'm here with T-San. Hello, hello. And Dom from Grip Auto. Hello. Nice to meet everyone. Welcome, Dom. Thank you. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Grip Auto is a micro brand that's headquartered in Australia, um, specifically Melbourne. Correct, Dom, would yeah, you like Melbourne. to elaborate yeah. a bit more? Yeah, based in Melbourne. Um, microbrand is probably the perfect uh, way to put it, yeah. Um, uh, it's uh, myself, me, that, that sort of, uh, that's that's developed it and runs it, I guess. So solo project, um, passion project, and I'm now taking it into, to um, uh, hopefully develop it into something bigger and better, which it's uh, fast-tracking pretty quickly, actually, so... Uh, it's basically an automotive influenced uh, watch brand, uh, automotive influenced designs. Myself being mechanic by trade, actually, and I've got a, a big car background, and um, my first passion is cars. And then obviously, uh, I'm into designing as well. And I always growing up wanted to be a car designer, um, and uh, can't do that now. But I'm designing watches instead and uh, tied it all together. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And how long have how long has the brand been going, or how long have you had? I know you've already had some watches out there in the wild. How long have they been out there? Yeah, so the the, the concept, uh, I guess, very very beginning was twenty sixteen was when I guess I I had the brand name, so I always wanted to do something with it. Um, and uh, I guess being into watches, uh, I've always wanted racing watches, you know, driving watches, and I sort of came across. Um, micro brands and Kickstarter and, and the first one was Stratton um, watch company I think Kyle the guy that runs it and um, saw what he was doing with it and um, for me it was I wanted to create a, a specific you know car type watches but something affordable and something that I could attain and and, and um, you know difficult to find an affordable car watch I guess you know because you got your speed masters your Daytonas and things like that but um, I like something a little bit quirky and um, and I saw others doing it and I thought, well, this is right up my alley. I love designing. I love product design, cars and everything. And I saw um, what they were doing with that and I thought, I'll give it a crack. And um, one thing led to another and went down the rabbit hole and um, a couple of years of sort of trial and error and learning from it and testing, developing, going through manufacturers and things like that. And uh, I've got one uh, design out in the wild and uh, a couple of prototypes underway at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. And how long is, what's the name of the model that's out in the wild and how long has it been out there? So the one I've got at the moment is the, it's called the Turismo. Uh, that's been out for, it's, it's been a couple of years now. So I'll say two, three years. Um, obviously with COVID happening, I hadn't really pushed it too much around that, at that time. Uh, a lot of things going on. So I was sort of just working on it in the background, sort of uh, just, just seeing how I could do, read I guess re-launch um, the brand, redevelop it for when times would be better. Um, so for me, that was last year where I decided to sort of really push it a bit more with awareness, brand awareness. Um, and 
the product's always been successful whenever I've sort of taken it to, you know, pop-up events or done car rallies and things like that. So I've always had great feedback on it. I've sold a few overseas, different countries as well. Um, and, um, yeah, so I thought finally about time I, I really, you know, take the feedback I've got and, and do something more with it. And I've really been pushing it now and developed a couple of prototypes. Uh, just recently received a, a little rally stopwatch design that I've done. So I've done a couple of prototypes on that. Oh, wow. That sounds um, up my alley. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd try and, try and um, you know, a bit more diverse with, with the automotive stuff and, um yeah, yeah, it's been it's been really good, and and uh, as of January, you know, I've, I've launched a new website, I've, I've started a new um, ad campaign, and uh, new brand logo, and things like that. So I'm really taking another step further, and um, at the moment, it's not my full time job, it's not my full time gig, so it's a side hustle. Um, but I'm really trying to uh, push it further now. So yeah, yeah. Well, you're certainly around. I mean, I think I've seen you at um, Shannon's, I've seen you at a highball. Yep. Uh, where did we meet? We met at a Breitling um, event, right. I think it was. Uh, yes, and today yeah. they actually just launched. If you don't, if you notice the right, top the times with the uh, yeah the Thunderbird, the Cobra, the the uh, the Cobra, the um, the uh, what else is there? A Corvette and a Mustang. It's a Mustang, yeah. Uh, yep. Top times, yeah, mm. in different colors. So uh, yeah, I think that's where we first met. But um, ever since then, you've been been everywhere. Yeah, it's been it's been full on. It's been uh, this year already. It's been crazy. So I've, I've been back to back with weekends, events, and you know mainly. Mainly, you know, car shows, um, cars mm. and coffees, pop-up events, things like that. And that's, yeah. that's where I get a lot of – you do. it's surprising how many watch people um, go to those events. And, and, oh, yeah. And the stories you hear, they love coming up to me and talking, and it's just it's fascinating. I love it as well. So yeah. um, they go hand in hand, obviously. So. I think so. I think it's a big crossover there, watches and cars. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's some other crossovers as well. But, um, yeah. oh, that sounds amazing. It's, it's, it's a, it is – fascinating to me i think when we first met i said we definitely needed to talk with you and get to know you as we are only doing so now on the podcast but i was fascinated that you you know very much come from a car background um and it seems i could be wrong but it seems like cars maybe did you tell me that your cars were pretty much your number one thing yeah yeah cars are the number one passion for me over watches um And it always has been like, a, you know, five, I can tell you, probably five years old, I've got a photo of me and Kim drawing, designing cars, you know. So only child, that's what I was doing in my spare time, reading books, car magazines, drawing cars, drawing, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I'm a bit of a car nut, a car nerd. I've uh, yeah. worked in the industry uh, over 15 years now, did my apprenticeship, did all that. I've, I've worked in, in you know, off the tools, on the tools. Uh, love restoring cars, customizing cars, modifying them. I'm, I'm really, really deep into uh, into the whole car scene, so I'm not biased to any sort of um, genre, I guess. So yeah, yeah, I love love it all. But um, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, before I derail the whole thing completely, maybe I'll let Tom get us back on track. We've got a got a sort of a rough kind of uh, agenda that we go through. Yeah, move Sorry, it Tom. up and down as we go along. Um, <laughs> We'll hop into the the wrist check and the drink check, Dom. If you want to kick us off, yeah. Well, I, my my drink of choice is actually a Bailey's. Um, so oh. people know me for for a Bailey's whenever we we go somewhere. That's my safe. That's my safety drink. So I just um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's me. So yeah, <laughs> very good. And what's on your wrist? Uh, I'm wearing the prototype, the, uh, the 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 velour chair. So this is my what I refer to as the ultimate driver's watch. It's my forged carbon fiber. Salita um, SW500 automatic chronograph. Um, 
Is there any of that? There's any of that to be seen on the Instagram or on the I've website? Got, it's on. I've, we've just put it on the website. It's also on the Instagram. So right. that, that, the idea with that is to um, to do pre-orders and uh, a Kickstarter launch sometime in the future. So yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I did. I did it just before we started the podcast. I did mention to you the the where the background of Fifth Wrist Radio comes from. So um, we're not here necessarily. Well, we're certainly not getting paid to promote you. We are promoting you, but. Be, be aware, like the whole idea of Fifth Wrist is to get open and honest feedback. So, you, you know, our listeners, I'm sure, will will provide that one way or another. Yeah. But I'm glad that you, you've you done that. I, I think you brought along the cases to the Breitling event, um, and I was certainly impressed with, with the case. Uh, well, look, I'm impressed with anything which is original, quite frankly, um, and it's it's pretty original and where you've got the crown, et cetera. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing um, how that goes for you. Um, yeah, fantastic. Welcome. Um, yeah, thank you. I am, I almost chose a Bailey's. I keep a Bailey's in the fridge as well. <laughs> um, but I decided to, uh, go just a straight gin and tonic tonight. I felt like I needed, uh, to get, to get into it. I was rushed and only had like five minutes. So I thought, right, five minutes gin and tonic. So, um, uh, <laughs> I've got that. And interestingly, I think it was on only on our last podcast, was it Tom, which was only, about a month or so ago, I was sporting a relatively, well, a new to me, 1996 Explorer 1. Yeah, it was about a month uh, ago. Yeah. Maybe a month and, and a half. Which, a lot, that alone was quite a departure for me uh, from being a non-Rolex type of guy for various reasons. And today, a month later, I have, to use car terminology, um, backdated from the Explorer, the 1996 Explorer, to a 1967 Explorer. So um, I don't think of myself as a watch flipper, but I used that, The it, this particular watch came up. It's got the, the matte dial with the, um, I guess, the non-applied uh, markers, etc. It's a 36, but because it's not a big, thick watch, it, it wears, reminds me of, I was saying to Tom, it reminds me of my, Tudor Jumbo that I've got um, to wear. Um, yeah, so look, an opportunity came up. It popped up. The same seller uh, who sold me the uh, the 96 one posted this one, a 1016 from from 67, and I, I, I messaged him and said, any chance I can give you your old one back and get this new one? And he you, said, you of course, fl- for the right price. It. You traded in the old – you traded in one model for the other one. I traded up or traded in or backdated, however I want to think of it. And it was really, it was less painful too, because it was like I only paid the difference. It's like I don't think of it as being the whole amount. So again, in typical car or watch fashion, I've managed to justify it to myself somehow. Yeah. Um, so that's me. What about you, Tom? What are you drinking and wearing? So I'm wearing the Fifth Wrist um, Oxen Junior Settimana. Um the collaboration and I'm drinking a Bundaberg ginger beer because I've got Perfect. to get up early for work tomorrow. And when Tom go to Tom represents, he represents, he's also wearing the matching cap as well with the, yeah. uh, the stylized chicken on there, etc., which is the same logo that's on the back of the, uh, the ox. So funny. Um, a couple of my friends since the last podcast said that they were, um, we were talking about ox, um, oxen junior, and they were busily searching on Google for OX watches um, and couldn't kind of figure it out so we must be careful not to be too sort of insular in our yeah. reference to things yeah very good ox 
O-C-H-S U-N-D Junior. <laughs> Und. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, do you want to hop into the news? Who feels like talking about the GP season so far? The what season so far? The, the GP season? Formula yeah. 1, yeah. Well, typically I'm so tight that you know, I can't bring myself to sign up to um, what's the one KO? KO. Uh, yeah. I'll probably do it for uh, for for the Aussie GP, uh, so I can get my fill. But it's um, on free to air. <laughs> well, exactly, perfect. That's that speaks to me. Uh, and tonight, actually, I went for a little drive. I don't. I haven't done this in a long time. I, when I first moved to Melbourne ten years ago, we found ourselves living in Albert Park. So without even knowing it, we'd go for bike rides with the kids and be riding on the track as it was getting set up. But um, a friend of mine, Joseph, who has a beautiful um, 356 Outlaw, suggested that we go for a drive tonight, which we did at 7 o'clock, and take the cars down there for a few photos. It was really cool driving my, again, relatively new-to-me 74 911S on the track, it, and it feels like it's pretty much ready to rock and roll, that track. Yeah. Like all of the containers are there, I noticed, as well, off the planes. Um, so, I mean... I, it feels like the only thing missing is the dudes, the pit crews, to basically un- start unloading it all. So it's ready to rock and roll. They, they do tend to set it up quite early on. Um, yeah. All the track prep, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, we're a week out from the race. So mm. the teams will probably start arriving or be at, at the track this time next week setting up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah excellent. Looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, so the GP, I don't – I mean, I've been watching the, 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 the 10-minute highlights on YouTube. That's what I've been doing because I've been in <laughs> I, I, times to watch them. Yeah, I can't help myself. I, I set the alarm. I'm 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 into it. I get I get up all, all hours and nice. Either fall asleep on the couch and end up watching the highlights, or I'm, I'm awake enough to watch it all. But yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you give us a bit of an impression or an overview? So there's been two so far. Yeah, two uh, so far. And how the teams like their expectations versus performance and drivers and. What are your thoughts, Tom? Yeah, well, the big the big news I think is Alonso at the moment with Aston Martin. Yeah, um, and I think it was uh, this last race, and I think coming up near Melbourne was going to be the uh, where we would see if it was a one off podium for Alonso to see the performance. But they actually, he's you know genuinely the second quickest car behind Red Bull, in my Amazing. opinion, from what a lot of yeah. people are saying. So yeah, um, and hopefully Australia's a bit of a uh, the Albert Park circuit's a bit of a good mixture of, of um, you know, fast and slow. So it'll be nice to see how he performs there. But um, That'll suit him though, right, Albert Park? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, look, Alonso, I rate him. He's obviously, he's he's always been able to get a little bit extra out of a, a, an underperforming car. Um, so the fact that it's a really good balanced car, the Aston, yeah, is where he's getting it up there on, on the podium. Even Stroll, I mean, he's come back from an injury, but he's yeah. still... He's still doing well with that. Yeah, car. Stroll seems to have done well until they told him to turn the car off. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, as a novice sort of spectator, I assume that the cars are either are going or they're not going. It's it's pretty yeah. much that that state of play with with a Formula One car. But yeah. certainly, when that car's going, it, it looks like it's uh, ahead of the Mercedes. Yeah, from what that, I can see, that's it's it. Pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. amazing. And I think the the Red Bulls are just miles ahead. Um, They've just yeah, they've got it under control <laughs> again. And, so. and Stroll can actually drive. He's just not a daddy's look, boy. I, I, yeah, look, I, it's it's um, for a few seasons now. I've I've always I've always said, look, he's he's no, he's got that that whole stigma of a daddy's boy. But he's actually genuinely um, 
a decent driver. Like he's he's put in the effort, and over the years he's actually proven himself. Okay, um, so he's no Mazepin. Mazepin. No, no, <laughs> I think he's actually he's got he's got a bit of talent. I mean, he's no he's not the you know the, the, he's not the greatest, but um, but yeah, he, he can he can pedal a car in my opinion. From you know cool. he's proven himself. Um, and he's he's determined, dedicated. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think look if the, if he if he wasn't uh, driving for his dad, obviously, I think he'd still find a seat in another team. Um, I think he's, he's proven himself enough that he could. Yeah, I'd be lapping up that opportunity to have Alonso in my team as well. I mean, as competitive as he is, I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, he's got to be a mentor. Oh yeah. And what was the stroll turnaround? Two weeks on two broken wrists. Yeah, in a broken toe as well, I think. <laughs> yeah, and then into what fighting with the Mercedes, who were two years ago the most dominant car. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that that was incredible. So I've heard a couple of theories on Stroll. Um, one is I listened to a podcast called Midweek Motorsport done by the guys at Radio Le Mans who do a lot of like um, the IMSA coverage in the US and some of them come down and do the 12 hour and they, things like that. Mm. Uh, Bathurst 12 hour here. Um, and one of the guys on there said he he's a great driver but he doesn't suit f1 because f1 is all about qualifying or it was a couple of years ago when he said this it's gotten better now for him um but he reckons if you put him in sports cars he'd be amazing because he can just do consistent good race runs interesting um but uh one of the local drivers um in supercars in australia thomas randall was recently on a podcast and he said on that he drove against um, Stroll in New Zealand in the Toyota Racing Series in one of the off-seasons. And Stroll came down to win the championship and he was so committed to it that not only was he paying for his own drive, he bought his teammate out from Europe to rear gun for him and paid for his season as well. There you go. So he'd have a teammate to assist him in winning the championship. So That's he's committed and knows how to use the money. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And what about how's our how's our the Aussie going? Our only Aussie going, Piastri, uh, Oscar um, Piastri. Yeah, I think he um he he uh, he actually he, he, I think he made it. Didn't he make it through? Um, he qualified quite well at one, didn't he? Oh, yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, Saudi Arabia. He made it through to Q three. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and was doing. He had an incident off the start, and that pretty much ruined his race. Mm. So, do we think he's? I mean, he's. He was talked up very highly um, yeah. before his debut. Do you mm. think it's more a case of the, the car's probably going to be his problem? Yeah, the car is yes. definitely the problem. Yeah, 100%. 100% yeah. yeah. Mm. Unfortunately. Yeah, he, um, in Bahrain, he just had nothing but issues with the car. And who's the other... There are two other debutantes as well. Um, uh, Sargent Logan, and... Logan Sargent yeah. for um, Williams. He's in mm. Williams, yeah. And then technically, Nick DeFries for William, uh, not Williams, uh, Alpha Tari. He debuted for Williams yeah. last year. So he, he himself technically says, I'm not, I'm not actually a rookie because of that by default. Because he filled in for someone, is that right? <laughs> he did, yeah. He did one race last season. So yeah, yeah. in yeah. his own words, he, he says he's not a rookie. <laughs> he's not I a couldn't... rookie as in he's done a Grand Prix before, but it is technically yeah. his like, rookie, rookie season because he's not yeah. done it. Yeah, so. mm. I uh, I did hear him speaking though, um, 
I don't know what context, but it was almost, it wasn't like a presser or anything like that. It was more to a team or to mechanics. So I was, he speaks like a much older guy and a much more experienced guy and a guy who is very confident in it, that he knows what he's talking about. He doesn't come across. He's, he's uh, for, for modern day F1, he's. Oh, yeah, he's, he's 28. He's, he's older for a rookie. Yeah. One. yeah. Right. Yeah. He's, so he's, 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 he's done. He's still got a baby now. face. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in his prime now. Um, he was a Formula E world champion. Yeah. So he won Formula 2 in 2019. And because of the Formula 2 rules, he couldn't continue in Formula 2. Yep. So then he went and was a part of Mercedes Formula E team in 2020-21. And he won that championship. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that sort of makes a bit more sense. If he's 28, he's got, as I was saying, he's got a baby face still, but um, yeah. 28 is certainly um, he, been around for a while. Yeah, it's like a similar issue to what happened to Piastri. Yeah. Um, just instead he went off and did a different form of racing and didn't swap teams, but yeah. yeah. Well, that was interesting to see the behind the scenes in um, the latest Drive to Survive around that as well. Well... I mean, I'm biased because I'm an Australian, but I don't think Piastri did the wrong thing. Mm. The whole season they'd been talking up, oh, yeah, we love Alonso, we want to keep Alonso and everything. So he'd been given all indications that they were going to keep Alonso, so he went and made other arrangements. Well, and they would have too if Alonso didn't jump ship. So Yeah. 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 And I'd say it's just business, Yeah, really, at the end of the day. I mean, that's one thing about watching that show, much like other industries as well, you realise that, you know, you can get all the pats on the back you like, but, you know, one moment, um, Checo's, like, doing great and he's a great guy and he's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Next minute, yeah. they're not so happy with him or, you know. So, again, you res- yeah. you retire or you resign from your job and three minutes later, yeah. no one cares. They've moved yeah, it doesn't, on. Doesn't Lombonzo look like a Nostradamus right now? <laughs> he's ended up in the best car out of the three of them like out of his options and creaming the other two mm. Mm. it's always good um, now that I'm an old man as well like to have like the old guy the old fox kind of <laughs> there and I love seeing his smile and you know you know there's some thought going on behind the, the smile and ah, it's good it's, he's, it's, he's, he's very cunning yeah, yeah. Mm. Ah, very good be interesting to see how many years he's got left in him. So, yeah. 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 And what other news has been going on, Tom? We had a twelve well, hours of yeah. So something? there was the, the twenty hours of Sebring, right? So Sebring's a, a circuit in Florida that's um, was once during World War Two. I think it was like a bomber airfield, right? Um, that at the end of the World War Two got converted into a racetrack, but it is notorious for just the concrete that used to be like the the um, runway that's the main straight yeah is just like the bumpiest thing known to man short of like a gravel road wow so uh, and it's like they haven't touched it since World War Two and they like to keep it bumpy and it's the whole charm of the thing um, it's said that twelve if you do twelve hours at Sebring it's harder than any twenty four hour race in the world um, sounds very uncomfortable. So they call it the 20 hours of Sebring because on the Friday, a couple of weekends ago, they had the 1,000 miles, 
which is the WEC, which is about an eight-hour race. Yeah, right. And then they also had, um, on the Saturday, they had the 12 hours of Sebring, which is IMSA, which is the US National Sports Car Championship. Right. Um, so on the Friday in the WEC, uh, it was the Ferrari show and qualifying. And Ferrari seemed to have the pace coming into the weekend, kind of duking mm. it out with the Toyotas who have been the champions for years because there's been no real competition. Mm. Um, but throughout the race, the Ferraris just seem to get caught up in issues and trip over themselves a bit. So and Toyotas Toyota, ended up on top as again. Yep. Toyota were pretty dominant. Um, the LMDH cars, so the ones that are based on the American rules that are now running in um, in the World Sports Car Championship, they didn't do as well. Um, they also, I think, struck some issues and things like that from what I could see. Um, and Brian, who is in uh, a group chat that we're in, we're talking about this. He's a big Ferrari guy, and he he contracts for Toyota, so he also likes Toyota. So he's just like, oh yeah, the Porsches are doing terrible. I'm like, mate, there it wasn't that long ago. The four GTs did terrible throughout the entire season, and then came to Le Mans, and they qualified, smashed the field, and overnight they had like 20 kilos of ballast put on them because they were too fast. So I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if Porsche was sandbagging. Yeah. Well, um, again, a bit of the highlights that I watched, watched, I think the Porsches were around fifth or so, weren't they? So Yeah. Uh, they're around. For the WEC. And, and I think also, again, speaking as a novice, I, I thought reliability is something that comes into play in these long races, and that's an area where Porsche could do well um, and an area where others, such as Ferrari, may not. Short of Toyota, I think Porsche probably have the most amount of time in testing. So in theory, they should be the most reliable. But then 12 hours, um, the IMSA race. Oh, man. There was one guy out there that was just carnage. Um, he was in an LMP3 car. So yeah, the slowest prototype, which is only just faster than some of the GT cars. Um. So on the start into turn one, he looped it before he got into turn one and all the GTs had to go all the way all around him and dodge him. Surprised he didn't get collected. What was the next one? I think then he spun and got collected maybe. I saw highlights of someone's car getting blown apart. Was that him? It might have been. And then at the end... Oh, in one of the one of the last kind of yellow flag periods, he got given a wave around, and just drove up the back of one of the Porsches. Uh, like that's right. That's, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I recommend. I've added the highlights in the yeah. the show notes. I recommend go back and watching it because it is just <laughs> hilarious carnage. It's almost as though he didn't even attempt to to turn the wheel to go around. Just just literally yeah, accelerated just... to the back. <laughs> It was he wasn't it was like he wasn't looking he was looking at yeah. something else and then yeah. looked back and um and then pretty much every single expected contender for the race had some kind of issue and fell off the biggest news story one was right towards the end i think there was like 15 minutes to go or something someone hit i think it was one of the cadillacs which then pinballed into one of the porsches which then took out the other porsche 
and then it took out, I think it was the Corvette from the GTs that was in contention to win in that class as well. And it's just like a five-car pileup that took out all these favourite cars and it was just complete carnage. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to the to the Grand Prix. Um, for once, I haven't got myself some tickets. I'm still arming and arming and just getting a, a ground pass for the Friday uh, just to cruise around and check stuff uh-huh. out. Oh, well, I'll um, see you there on the Friday. Just on the Friday? Yeah, I was going to say, that's all I could get, Friday Friday tickets, so yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Did you go grandstand or? I just got a general admin. That's all I could get. Everything was sold out. Yeah, okay. All right. Apparently, well, I might... apparently, um, apparently for the first time, they've had to uh, reduce the car club numbers for the cars on display. Um, some of the support categories, they've had to push them out as well um, just yeah. to get more space because they've, they've reissued extra, they did reissue extra tickets um so it's going to be the highest numbers on record again wow yeah wonder what's driving that i hope they have better infrastructure this time yeah yeah that's the other thing yeah yeah in a way i'm glad i'm only going on the friday because i can imagine be chaos on the saturday sunday yeah Yeah, i think so yeah Yeah, we got last minute tickets on the friday um and then also we're going the saturday Mm. yeah why do you think it's so so popular this year? Uh, post COVID and drive to survive. Right. Yeah. 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 The young new Aussie maybe as well. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. I've uh, as we speak, I'm just having a double check and having a look at the tickets. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, very good. All right. Well, should we get d- deep dive into Dom's car history, Tom? Am I jumping the gun? Uh, the only other thing I'd say is in news, if we talk about some watch news, there's the Brightlings, which you touched on. Right. Uh, quickly, those new Brightlings. And then the Navita uh, and Fratello collaboration, the manual one chronograph. Right. I thought about that during the week. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm just pulling well, it up. So before you're doing week. that, uh, so uh, this week, as we record this, this is Watches and Wonders overseas. Is that right? So I think there's going to be, for example, that Breitling, I went to that Breitling, I went and checked out those, those watches about, um, I don't know, a month ago. Um, and they were under embargo until today. Um, and I believe uh, there's been some others as well. So IWC, I'm waiting someone. Uh, the classic uh, car Breitlings, most of those had been released already, or at least I'd seen them already. I think, I think it was the Thunderbird was the one that got released. Yeah, the Thunderbird um, would be the new one. The new right. one, yeah. Right, um, right, right. And then they also released more Premier B01. Yeah. So yeah. I think it was last year they did like the Pistachio one. Yes. So now they've brought out a couple of like a cream and gold uh, a blue kind of metallic dial, a green metallic dial. Well, someone who, someone in the know told me that um, IWC should have something that I like. So to me, that sounds like a um, uh, ingenieur. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they bring out. Hopefully, it's not in a nice size like thirty nine and. Oh, it won't be. It won't be. We'll see. I hope it's not because then I might have to buy it. Yeah, so any other watch releases recently? Yeah, so I'm just trying to get the... Because this, luckily for Dom, was only a, a limited release, this collaboration with Fratello, if I can find the thing to it. Because they were manual wind, 
chronographs. There we go. What have you got to tell us about it? Uh, that was a link to the podcast where they talk about it, not the actual watch I want to talk about. But they were very good case size, um, 38 by 46, and 38 by 44, 13 millimeter thick, with a manual wind Salida 500 or SW510 because it's the manual wind. 50, look, 50 watches? Yeah, they look very good. They're priced reasonably, but there's only 50 of them, 10 of yeah. each style. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry, was this the one they're doing with Nevada? Was that yeah, another Nevada. one? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nevada. Yeah, it looks I don't great. I know how to pronounce things. Right, right, right. Yeah, it looks good. It's good. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very speedy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I mean, there's, I don't, there's nothing wrong with with it being, you know, it's not a homage or anything, but it's obviously very speedy. It's almost a bit speedy Mark II in some ways, or racing dial at least. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, they've done enough with it for it to be different. Yeah. Probably probably sold out already. <laughs> I would think so. This is a good thing for me because it means I don't have to buy it. <laughs> yeah, we'll move on to Dom's car history. Yeah, so Tom, you said that obviously you've been you're a mechanic, um, yeah. but you've been you know what you know how far back are we talking about? Like what what car posters did you have 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 up on your wall, and what was your first car? And take us way back. So I come from. Let's start with the family history. So Dad's side of the family are all here. So growing up, we we're a, you know you're Holden or Ford. We were a Holden family. Okay. Um, my mum's side of the family is still in Italy, so they're all in Sicily. And my two uncles were rally drivers. So growing up, we used to get the VHS, the home video recordings and tapes of, um, sent over of them rallying in the early 80s and 90s. Um, so I sort of grew up with, you know, homegrown Holdens and that, and plus an appreciation for all the European stuff. Amazing. Um, you know, so dad was always tinkering on the cars. So I, I've always had that around me growing up. But um, naturally, my first car was a, a, a typical P-plated car, I guess. It was a Holden Commodore uh, VP. I'll get specific. It was an S-Pac BT1, which is an ex-police car. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what year's, what year's the car? That was a, would have been a 91 model. Okay. Yep. Yeah, back then it was, I guess even now it's more a rare car, but to find a, a BT1 in an s pack uh it was a bit rarer um to get specific you know had a long range fuel tank skid plate under the sump uh, had the um bigger brakes on it from factory and all that um couldn't help myself and before you know it i'm customizing and modifying it you know transforming the thing the look of it so um that's where it started for me how long Uh, did you have that car for well i started a trend with that car i think i kept it for two three years yeah, uh, and uh, I've on average that's about as long as I keep a car because <laughs> okay. I just I end up flipping them. I've, I've lost count. I've owned about sixty plus cars. Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, a lot of them flipping them on and off, or just because I just want to try something else, and I'll you know make a profit on one. And it's funny in hindsight, all the cars I've owned always, of course, they double and triple after you've owned them yes. down, down the road. Yes, uh, probably owned. I've never gone without having probably an average of three, four cars at a time. Okay, good. Um, that makes me feel better. Good. Yep. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, kept that. And then I decided uh, fuel was even back then was getting expensive, filling up a hundred dollars to fill it up every time back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went to a hot hatch. Uh, it was basically an N14, like a triple S pulsar. Oh yeah, twenty. Oh, nice, excellent. To, uh, yeah, so I was a bit of a sleeve. So I modified that camshafts and you know computers and all that sort of stuff. So I started getting into all that, and yeah, yeah. And uh, from there on in, it just it just blew up from there. Um, had uh, anything and everything I think I've tried. Um, what are some of your other standouts? Uh, standouts, I. Oof. Um, Specifically, I, I, your favourite, I would say, that you've loved. Yeah, the, exactly. The regret, the regrettable ones. I regret getting rid of. I had a uh, five litre two tone VHS LE. Um, that was a nice car. Uh, I had an imported uh, an e. I'm going to get specific again. It's an EF9 Honda Civic SIR. So it was a genuine SIR from Japan. Uh, stripped out roll cage. Had a B18 Tegra Type R engine conversion, worked engine, weighed 800 kilos. It was a race car, basically. Wow. Um, I sold it because I thought I'm going to get myself into trouble on the streets driving this. So I got rid of it before that happened. Um, uh, more recently, I've had a, an E24 uh, 635 CSI. Yep, nice. As probably the longest car I had owned, but never drove because it was always. What year was that? That was an 82 model. Yeah. And so you really didn't the, drive it? it? It was not registered. It was a project car. Got it running right. um, and nearly finished it. But then unforeseen circumstances, I mean, I had to sort of sell that one. And I had that about what eight years. What color was years. it? Uh, dark blue metallic. Okay, nice. So I, I, love, I love them. You've got yeah. the greatest shark nose on them. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mm. fitted airbag suspension to it and did a few little bits and pieces, but nothing too crazy. Um and uh, sold it to uh, another gentleman who's since finished it, I believe. And he says, oh, I, uh, I can request driving it when I like. Um, so that's good. That's what <laughs> um, you want. None of the yeah, headache yeah. of owning it and all the fun. Ex- exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've been a run through a few old BMW, E30 BMWs. I've had yep. um, Rotary's RX-7. Um, oh, yeah? yeah? Now you're yeah, talking so, my language. You know that, yeah. you, did you know that Tom's a, a Rotary man? No, I didn't know. Right. No, there you go. Yeah, so, yeah I've my first car was a Series 1 RX-7 track car. Yep. My third car was a Series 2 or 3 RX-7 race car. Mm. And then my most recent pur- purchase is an FD RX-7 race car, which is in the process of being finalised and built. Beautiful. Very nice. Mm. Yeah, mine was a, I had an FC, uh, which a, a friend of mine still owns. I sold it to him and he finished it, restored it. So, again, that's another one that's sort of in the family still. Had an 808 wagon. And the RX-7 was supposed to be the donor car for the swap, okay. but decided to keep the RX-7 instead. So, yeah, yeah. until the interior started smoking, catching fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And what are you driving at the moment? Uh, at the moment, again, I've got another one that's off the road, but it's um, uh, Alpha 164. Oh, nice. So that was the uh, sort of – when I got rid of the, the 6 Series – I, I sort of had a, a, a void to fill there, and I was like, I just wanted to get something, a bit of a budget, um, nice car. And I thought, mm. um, always had a soft spot for the 164s. Not everyone's cup of tea, but um, something about the styling that I've always loved. Have you had Alphas before? No, funnily enough. And I said, that's, the other thing. that's another thing. I said, I got a, uh, it's my first Italian car. Yeah. I thought, I have to have an Alpha. <laughs> you know? Definitely. So, 
Um, that was another thing, reason behind it. So it's not running. Um, funny story, though, because I, I was meant to be getting a, a QV, which is a bit of a rare, rare version. And I found this car that I've now got as a uh, parts car. It was came up quickly on I think marketplace or something, and the guy was asking nine hundred bucks. Yeah, sitting outside for five years, and, <laughs> and uh, everyone was jumping on it. And I quickly got on the phone, and his his wife answered. She's like, "I've got my phone's going crazy." People and I said, "Look, I'll I'll buy it sight unseen. You know, I'll make you an offer and put the husband on." And it's like, "If you can pay me the money now, for, I think we did a deal for seven fifty, seven hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. You know, car was complete. And I thought as a parts car, it'd be great. Car came from Hillsville, got it to my parents." Uh, it was a week before I went back to, to the house to go see the thing and um, got there and it wasn't too bad. I mean, the paint's all faded, you know, usual little bits and pairs of rust here and there, but it's it's all there. And then the glove box is an, an, a folder an inch, inch thick and it's got documentation. It's an ex-club car and mm. it used to get entered in concourse events as well. The guy wow. that had it from new, photographs all developed, all the documents from new, it's had engine rebuilds, had all this work has been looked after over the years. And I thought, I can't, turn, I can't destroy this thing. I've got to, you know, I've got to bring it back to life. So um, the other car never eventuated. And I thought, well, there's an opportunity for this one now. I'm going to um, do something with it, um, bring it back to life. And sort of where I'm at now with it, I've, I'm uh, about to bring it home. And uh, my plans are a bit drastic because uh, I can't leave anything alone, really. I'm going to actually do a... Uh, a bit of a tribute to the 155 DTMs, Super Tourers. Um, I've got a soft spot for rallying. So if you think a, a cross between a Delta Integrale and a 155 DTM and then take a, a Singer Porsche style of refinement, that's my long-term goal with this thing. So it's going to wow. be very different. I like to do things differently and quirky. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even before you do anything to it, I think buying an Alpha... Yeah, you've got to be more of a you type of guy than a me type of guy. It's just, <laughs> I'm just, I've been, you know, what people say about Alphas and it just has scared me off because uh, I think at one time, I think it was a, a 70, an Alpha 75 rings a bell. I was pretty yeah. interested in mm. um, just because of the, I guess, the similar sort of Alphas were either boxy in my mind or, or, or beautiful and curvy. And it was one of those ultimate boxy cars and I wanted it, but um, you know, just talking with different people, I, I think you're better off being someone who's mechanically minded than someone who just drives yeah. cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought even if for me it's a little bit scary, but at least I can sort of work my way around it a bit. Um, it's got that lovely V6 engine in it as well, so yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I do love, I do love. That's one of the things I love about them is this is, is the boxiness. Um, mm. It took me a while to get there, but I, you know, I equate it to sort of the the brutalist architecture. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's that 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 beautiful, ugly type of look, mm. um, and I and I really do like it. Uh, but equally, I also like the whatever the new ones are that are really quite curvaceous, the Julias, yeah. etc. I mean, I think mm. they're beautiful as well, but for for different reasons. So, oh, that's yeah. exciting. That's good. So, so how long do these projects take you? I just want to cut in quickly. Yeah. Um, Reading the Wikipedia page for the 164, I got reminded that, so way, way back. I was going to mention the pro car. Yeah, in the 80s, <laughs> um, someone in Formula One pitched an idea to try get manufacturers to build special race cars using like Formula One parts, but would have road car bodies on them. 
like more like production looking bodies to bring more manufacture try to entice more manufacturers in um i think it was bernie eccleston who's trying to make it a new category yeah so alpha made a 164 pro car so it's a 164 like um for australian listeners if you've ever seen the sports sedans in going around at like state series or at baird supercars and things like that supporting it's like a tubular frame chassis basically a bunch of metal pipes within a fiberglass 164 that was like stretched over the top and underneath it's got a alfa romeo v10 3.5 liter formula one engine yeah amazing yep yeah <laughs> see yeah, there's only i think one piece of footage of it driving around um i think it's imola or monza or something um just screaming down the straight. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to add, add that. Um, and what would your dream car be? Uh, I kind of hate this question. Um, <laughs> it always chops and changes, but uh, I keep going back to like a Pagani Zonda or a uh, maybe even close second, that's a Lamborghini Miura. Um, yeah, yeah. Quite different cars. They yeah. are, they are. <laughs> but for me, it's... Um, I guess I look at a design perspective um, and I look at like what Horatio Pagani's done. Um, Like I look up to him a lot in in what he's been able to achieve. And from a design perspective, you know, again, he's a bit of a, it's an old fashioned coach building one man show and, you know, his name on the, on the, on the badge sort of thing, which these days it's very rare to find. So yeah. Yeah. Have you gone to Pagani? No, no. Funnily enough, I've only ever been to Italy when I was 14 years old once to meet my family, which is where I met my uncles and they took me for a crazy uh, drive around the mountains of Sicily. But, um, yeah, I'd love to go back and do all of that. Um, oh, you have to do yeah, it. On I mean, the bucket list, yeah. yeah I mean, first, you haven't gone. Either. Well, I try and go once a year, Dom. Well, it sounds yeah, um, yeah. pretty extravagant. Well, but, next next time you go, when you're in yep. Modena, go to the... <laughs> go to the Pagani Museum because I went when I was there a couple of years ago. Yeah. It makes sense. The yeah, price yeah. tag and everything, when you see it in person, having only yeah. ever seen them on Top Gear, and it was like, oh, they're cool, but I'm more about like um, race cars and things like that. And I prefer performance and the Paganis are not quite as good performance-wise as the other options. Yeah. But then seeing them in person and seeing the... Mm. Uh, when we pulled up, there was a, I think it's called the Roadster, um, a Huayra Roadster, yeah, yep. which is a yep. special model where it's metallic blue exterior with gold wheels. And then it drove past and the sun was reflecting and the blue was sparkling, but it's it's like done in the clear coat. The blue, I think, is done in the clear coat of the carbon. Okay. And then when yeah, you get yeah. close, you can see all the carbon weave under the blue and oh, just... The, like the titanium exhaust and all the like custom machine things just all the jewelry <laughs> yeah i mean i i don't think i've seen not on youtube but actual tv shows or whatever i've seen them on but there's there's no shortage of shows on on the factory the pagani factory and it's it really mm. as you say i think it's i don't think i don't think ferrari build cars like that anymore like it's coach building yeah. it's like yeah. 12 chassis in a big room yeah. all in different stages of production um and you know with two or three guys working on it at 
yeah. for however many weeks or months and, it takes and to produce the factory the, whole car. the factory kind of mirrors the car where it's yeah. the whole building and area it's very modern and everything but then has all these nice classic artistic touches with all these certain things and it's yeah yeah very interesting yeah. very cool whereas uh, the lamborghini uh, mura is absolutely again i don't know much about it but i know what it looks like and i know i like it like that yeah. is a beautiful looking car and the, yeah. the eyelashes and yeah. the colors and it's just fantastic they've yeah. had ones at dutton's for a while and i i love seeing it yeah. and actually you do see them around strangely enough uh at yeah. car shows and stuff so yeah, yeah they do um, we do say we, we're fortunate enough that we there's some here that we get to see yeah 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 just beautiful just so yeah. beautiful um yeah it's kind of a beautifully styled um gt40 almost isn't it mm. i think so yeah it's lovely so that i i absolutely can see both of your options but <laughs> i know which one i'd i'd be going for i love it beautiful very good and um yeah so i just yeah sorry so go on with the the next questions tom yeah we'll, we'll go through the dream drive and then we'll we'll circle back and to talk more about uh group auto yeah dom what are you driving uh where are you driving what are you wearing and what are you listening to i mean okay. i could probably guess what you're wearing it's oh. either the veloce or your next project i'm guessing yeah well actually actually i thought about this um i'll start with what i'm wearing so yeah the veloce otherwise it'll be uh again the links here um Giugiaro did a collaboration with Seiko. Oh, yes. So for me, that's like iconic. Like Giugiaro is an, an, an idol for me as well. Um, and there is the, which I don't own one. I, I need to get one. Um, the, uh, it's the one that the watch that was worn in Aliens. The, it's yes. got that block. They refer to it as the Ripley now, I Ripley, think. Ripley, that's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially... 7, 7A, 28. Yeah. But it's, a, it's the Jujaro um, yeah. Seiko chronograph. It was a, part of the Speed Ma Seiko Speedmaster series that he did, yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I have to say, I again, I can't believe that I've not owned that watch mm. or a Jujaro car. And I'm sure it's part of the reason why I've come for the last three years very close to buying a uh, Alfa Romeo Brera. Because yeah. <laughs> because yep. that is definitely a Giugiaro design, yeah. Um, and it ha I've always liked the one five nine front, yeah, which is essentially yeah. the Brera front. Yeah. Especially love the 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 eyes or the the, the the headlights. Again, very brutal, I think, in its in its design. Yeah. But then the ass of the Brera. Um, again, when I first saw it before I was into cars, let's say I don't know ten years ago. If that's how old they were, I think they are. Yeah, uh, like yeah. I just thought that's that's wow, that's weird. Like I can't, yeah. I would not do. But now I look at it and go, wow, that front, that ass, that yeah. car, uh, yeah. and the fact that it's Jujaro designed, it's like you know, for ten or twenty grand, it's just how can I not own one of those? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So I, think I, I love. Enthusiast was just selling one of these from memory. Oh, the watch. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he was. He's been a. He's a huge Jujaro fan. Do you know Mister Enthusiast, who's um also does uh Bastardo, uh car lifestyle stuff, Dom? 
I'm not sure if I do. Yeah, yeah, Ch- yeah. yeah. He's 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 a big fan of Jajaro, but he's also a big fan of um, that beautiful sort of ugly. So he's owned that that Alpha, the really ugly Alpha. What was that one? The SZ uh, the or the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he yeah. loves that stuff. Yeah. And and honestly, like as soon as you're exposed to it, and if you love cars or if you love watches, you sort of go, yeah, I get it. De- yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, what would I... Okay, so I'd be... Again, I, I have to hark back to a memory of in Sicily, the, those mountain roads. Um, well, the, the backstory, I'll give you the backstory. So again, my, my uncle's... I was 14 years old. Uh, go there, my uncle says, right, jump in the car. This is his daily driver, mind you. It's a Rover, Rover 200 hatchback, just a bog stock, you know, thing. And we're going up the mountains, you know, round and round the, the S's and all that. And he's he's driving it hard. And and this is and a credit to when you're sitting in a car with someone that's a proper race driver knows how to drive. It's impressive in a bog stock car as well. And we're going around these these mountain tops, and I'm looking over the edge. Seatbelts optional, of course, over there. And um, and he's just looking at me, and he's so ca- I'm looking. He was just calm, casual, like the movements, the hand handbrakes. He's using the handbrake around the, you know, uh, sliding around and, wow. and all that. And he's like, "Oh, it's fast enough. You scared?" And I'm like, "It's all right." He goes, "Okay, I'll go faster." You know, and he's just and I'm we're, we're sliding this thing around like like we're on a on a proper rally stage, and it was just blowing me away. Like, like, it wasn't a wet road or anything. It's just no, no, tarmac road, probably a little bit of loose gravel here and there, but um, just it was just the way he was chucking this car around and doing it nat- so naturally wow. um and it's just this little you know normal little rover and and i'm looking down the side of this cliff while the car's going sideways sort of thing and i'm just like well so obviously i couldn't drive like that but but to go back on those sort of roads um that'd that'd be for me you know to, to relive that um fantastic it'd have to be it's not going to be in a rover though no, 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 no. Um, I, I'd probably say maybe even like a Delta Integrale, something like that. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say a Zonda is probably not really ideal for that sort of, you know. No. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. That's that's probably what I would be. Uh, and tell me, are you a guy who listens to music when you drive, or you just like the the, the sound of the engine? No, a bit of both. I'm a big music fan as well. So, um, uh, for me, my go to uh driving music and again ironic that it's it, it, it for me it's jamiroquai oh yeah awesome I, I, yeah i was a fan before i even knew he was a car guy so it just yes. happened to be that i discovered afterwards you know you know he had the whole you know the old film clip with the lamborghini and all that and it wasn't until yeah. later on i'm like i realized he's got all these collections and he's into cars and i was like oh, that's a good good little you know tie in there but um me, Isn't that's... it funny how Jamiroquai is actually showing our age now um, yeah. compared to some of these youngsters around here? But absolutely, <laughs> I I can relate. And you know, you mentioned some of the cars. So, like, you know, I was I don't know, I was eighteen in nineteen ninety three. So, uh, yeah, Jamiroquai wasn't long after that, I don't think. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's very yeah. cool. And I've got and one other one I would add to that, which is a bit of an odd one. Is more his dad would listen in the car, but uh, you may or may not know, but you know Julio Iglesias. Yeah, is, yeah. Enrique's dad. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I only know exactly. I'm I'm of the age who knows Julio Iglesias. Yeah. yeah as opposed yeah. to Enrique, but yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, there's um, depending on the drive I go on, that'll be something I'll throw a bit of that on. You know, just depending on the mood and all that. So yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. And just to interrupt that as well, talking of dads, etc., and, and music. I've 
just driven back from Sydney and I've been threatening to do it for a while, but I've just picked up dad's turntable. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, but um, the the turntable was sitting there and some of his vinyl and a couple of his speakers. So, I mean, box speakers hardly, you know, exist yeah. anymore. People are into their sound bars now. And um, I've got a great amp from about 15 years ago, the Yamaha amp that I'm hoping uh, will work in conjunction with the old turntable and get some of his vinyl back on. But he was listening Very nice. stuff I, I remember as a child that he was listening to. And I've got the vinyl now is things like Grace Jones and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to bringing some of that back as well. But but I'm a, I'm a generally a music guy in a car as well. Yeah. Um, both the Porsches, I've, I've got new um, head units you know, or new, newish or period correct head units in there and, and some good music. And I can go both ways. I can listen to music especially if it's on a longer drive but i'm happy to listen to the to the engine sometimes as well so mm. yeah, yeah. A, a lot of guys delete their their radios in the in the yeah. porsches <laughs> yeah yeah mm. oh very good very good and um while i'm talking and talking about cars as well something i forgot to mention since again since our podcast not only have i backed upgraded or backdated the 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 watch but i've and this is something that tom mentioned to me uh, before the podcast, he said, "I, oh, do you know what I saw the other day, Tom? What we, what, where, no, where were you the other day, today on the way home? Right, yeah. Tom, Tom goes, yeah. So I'm just driving on the way home, and I saw on the road um, uh, a Jimny Heritage, which is, which yeah. is, uh, I think it's a limited edition of 300. They did them in, they're doing them in white, grey, black, and green. And I've been looking at and threatening a Jimny for a long time, and." This article come out came out of nowhere, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and and I I pinged the article to the to the driving time group on Instagram and said, check this out, how cool is the the, the retro decals and stuff like that, and and someone's one of us one of the group uh, is in the well, there's a number in the auto industry, but someone just messaged back and said, oh, I did you want one? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love one. So. Um, he made some phone calls to the state manager, what have you, and before I knew it, I put down a thousand dollar deposit on one. So I'm, I was I was surprised that they're being delivered already. Um, when I went and signed the paperwork, the the sales guy said to me, "This is so." He he was just he said to me, "I've got customers who put in their orders for a standard Jimny six to twelve months ago, and they're still waiting on them, and this this thing is being." Is a limited edition. Strangely enough, it's almost it's it's actually a bit cheaper than the normal ones. I don't know why. Okay. And they're being delivered all three hundred of them in April, um, or as as it turns out, March and April now. So um, it's really strange. I don't know how it came about, but um, I'm really looking forward to to driving that car and hopefully. The normal chimneys are auto and manual, aren't they? Yeah, but apparently they're stopping the autos altogether. So the her- okay. heritage the heritage is manual the heritage only. Heritage is manual only. Okay. I reckon. The reason is they probably had surplus manuals sitting in Japan. Yeah. And this is the way to move manuals. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah. But it's still a great looking car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of hoping that um, it might actually turn out to be my son's first car. So he's 14 now, so less than two years away. And I actually think it's not a bad first car. Like it's not, yeah, because, it's not yeah. a car that I don't think you'd feel you could drive far too fast or like a maniac like a maniac so yeah um, and it's a manual so it's a manual you can learn so. how to drive manual and yeah. if you ever need it in an emergency or anything yeah 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 no uh, so look it's it's 
like a bit like the Brera. It's one of those ones that I've been threatening. And, and uh, you know what it is? Every time I see one on the road, I'm like, oh, there's a Jimny. Like, I actually get excited to see yeah. it. I, lo- I love, love the boxiness of it. I think it looks good. Um, you know, it's not going to break the bank. Also, strangely enough, like a few things these days in cars and watches, um, I don't think you're going to lose money on it, which is just such a strange thing to say. But yeah. um, so there's that element of it as, as well, you know, just just go for it and drive it yeah. and hopefully well, enjoy it and, and keep it. Worst case... I spoke to a gentleman last week who uh, has the not, a, not you know just the standard Jimny, yeah. and he bought his um, a few years ago, and he's yeah. um, for for ten grand less than what they're going for now. So he said I could sell it second hand and make a profit on it. I'm on watching them things. on car sales, and there are ones with we're not talking small mileage. We're talking thirty, forty, fifty thousand yeah. kilometers on there, listed yeah. above retail. Yep. Yeah. They're Amazing. Just, you can go yeah. to that person's place and buy it now. You can't go to Suzuki yeah. and buy one now. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Unless you get a heritage. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's a bit of fun. So yeah. um, I keep th- Tom. Tom's reminded me before the past podcast. He said, "I thought you'd you'd calm down on buying watches," <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I, I need to calm down on buying watches and cars." As it turns out. Yeah. And since the last podcast, I've also finally had movement on my RX7. What's happening? So um, the tank, so Don, not sure if you're aware, but it's had a, um, it's a race car that was like a production race car that someone had got halfway through converting it to a time attack spec car. Okay. And then I've bought it with them halfway through converting it to time attack and going, now I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction. I'm going to convert it to an endurance car. Um, so it's just had a custom um, aluminium 80-litre tank welded up and fit in the boot um, and had the boot stitched back together because someone had cut a hole in it to put a fuel cell in it. Um, so now that that's together and there's a couple of other things that need to be sorted on the car that have been sorted, um, we're now going to go back and strip the interior because, for reference, the colour is Suzuki yellow, like that Suzuki Swift Championship yellow. Yep. That's the colour that's been painted, outside and inside. <laughs> and having that colour on the inside was just too much, so we're going to strip back the inside and get it painted in like a, a Nardo kind of grey, which is the yeah. standard for... Um, all the race cars that are done by the guys that build our race cars, like all their cars are grey on the inside. It just mm. looks a bit nicer, and yeah. Um, and then once it's done, once that's done, it's going to go back um, and be wired on Motec, uh, and yeah, then I'll be able to finally drive it once all that's done. Fantastic. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. What sort of events are you looking at doing endurance wise? So we have some friends that run an event. Um, they run it the past two years. They're probably not going to run it this year, but we'll run it next year um, called the Winton Four Hour. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's four hours running around Winton and it's open to um, improved production cars, production cars, um, and invited cars. Yep. Uh, so... First year it was run, I ran it in my Series 2, 3 RX-7, which had a 12A bridge port mm-hmm. and a PPG door box. Got three laps in and then dropped the side seal. <laughs> so three hours into a four-hour race is not fun. 
Um, last year I didn't run it, but we went up and supported some friends that were running it uh, in two separate RX-7s. Neither of them had any luck either. Mm. So hoping next year to get it together for that event to run, to run that. Uh, but then otherwise probably looking at running Vic Sprint Series yeah. uh, just in the meantime, uh, just to get kind of time in the car and doing something semi-competitive while getting seat time. Yeah, I've, like my entire family are all into rotors and drive rotors and we all go to sprints and track days together and have fun. Like even, uh, so the listeners, we were meant to record this tomorrow night but I kicked back on it because I'm going to Winton Friday and I have to get up at probably 5 or 4.30 in the morning because I've got to drive. I'm meeting up uh, my uncle who lives in Torquay and we're driving from there. So it's a three hour, three hours and 20 minute trip to get to Winton from there. So big day. Very good. All right, how are we going? Is there anything we haven't asked? Well, I mean, have we talked about the latest? Let's talk about Grip Auto and, and the latest what you're doing. Can you tell, can you, I, I couldn't, I still can't get my head around how you've gone from, you know, you, you're interested, well, your passion around cars to basically starting to build your own watch. Like I'm into watches and I love watch design, but I'm sure I've sat down a couple of times and tried to sketch out like what, what a great watch would be for me. And, and that alone has kind of, you know, put me off. And then I couldn't imagine how you go about, figuring out manufacturing, you know, your designs and how that works and China and all sorts of things. Talk us through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, again, going back to um, I think it was exploring, um, I guess, my love of design. I've always been wanting to – always, I'm always drawing designing. So, for me, I had an ideal look of what I'd want in a watch. Um, mainly for fun, I'm always sketching and doing that sort of thing. But um, – it was uh, discovering the Stratton watch watches, I guess, with um, Colin on Kickstarter and seeing what he was doing, and um, and from there it was I kind of uh, not able to find the watch that I would always want to have, I guess that's affordable to me. I decided, well, I can see if I can create one. Um, so I saw what he was doing, and I just decided to do a bit of research into it, and it's always something. For me, like like I said, I always grew up, wanted to be a car designer, or I wanted to be. I've got that creative mindset, so I wanted to always have something of mine or do something. I'm always creating, modifying cars, customizing cars. So for me, it was like a, a bit of a a challenge, I guess, but it's something that that excites me. So mm. um, I thought, let's let's look into this, um, and uh, went down the route of um, finding some manufacturers overseas in China. Um, Thought, oh, this is, this is pretty easy. Um, went through uh, sending designs, things like that, and um, failing miserably because what I got was um, something you get off Wish, I guess you could say. Um, it was just nothing like what, yeah. <laughs> what I was expecting to get. So that was a for there. That was for me a big uh, okay. It's uh, it's going to take a bit of research, a bit of trial and error, and that's the thing. Like the, the great thing is jumping into it. Um, that's how I basically learned how to do it. It was just getting getting my hands dirty, getting right into it, learn the ins and outs of, of what's involved in, in dealing with the manufacturers, designing it, all that sort of stuff. Um, I went through about four manufacturers, I think, before settled on one that I was happy and that I could actually communicate with properly, get the results I wanted and was happy with. 
so that and that in itself was probably a couple of years yeah that right process before you know and that's that's you know doing it as a bit of a, a side hobby uh, you know so it's not it's it's in spare time and things like that and um eventually sort of uh tried the whole kickstarter thing but without again just just throwing it up there without promoting it or really researching it much and, and again from doing that i learned okay this is how you need to do it to make it work um obviously that didn't you know you need to really push it and things like that so i'm grateful that i went through all those processes because it's brought me to where i am now i guess to to be able to now this year and last year take it properly seriously now and launch it the way i want to but led me to after a couple of years to have that turismo watch which i've got available yeah um and i know i wanted it to make it where i thought was important to have the quality components you know the sapphire crystal you know having a, a japanese movement things like that so you can have it as like a beta watch a daily watch but at least it's 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 gonna it's gonna do justice it's gonna last it's quality mm-hmm. i wanted to make it so it's affordable but it's it's hasn't got uh bits and pieces on it that are unnecessary if that makes sense to keep the cost down um so that's where i sort of make it affordable they're very different price points the two watches though aren't they yeah they are so i actually designed the 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 veloce first um Mm. because i designed the thinking i just want to design what i want my ultimate watch i guess you could say right um anyway i was like this is for for a an unknown brand for, for people you know who is this guy just trying to come out with this you know, in a way, crazy watch, expensive watch. Yeah. Uh, to some, it's expensive, but um, I thought I'll, I'll start off small. Um, start off with you know with the with the quartz watch. Um, learn with that, build that yep. up, and it still ended up with a, with a good product, um, in my opinion. Yep. And um, so that's where I was. I thought, okay, now that I've um pretty much satisfied with that, I'm, I'm moving along with that one, and now I've got the prototypes of the uh the, the carbon watch, the Veloce. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, planning to uh, now, obviously, on the new website as well, we've, we've launched a uh, pre-order option. Yeah. And uh, wanting to do uh, a Kickstarter with that also uh, in in the, in the future. I've yep. also since then uh, preparing myself for for, uh, for some more models. Uh, everything going well, but I've got a mid-range chronograph of design. I've got the rally stop watches now. Thinking of doing a bit of a uh, retro digital kind of watch as well. Um, Unfortunately, I noticed that Auto Drummer did something very similar to what yeah. you know, I had, and I, yeah. I was I was cursing when I saw that because it was like something I've been planning twelve months ago. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I still got all these uh, a lot of designs and models I want to release in future. Um, so, any yeah. idea what the price point of the stopwatch is going to be? I'm still experimenting with that, but it's a, it's probably going to be a bit of a novelty. Uh, maybe around the two hundred dollar mark, two fifty. Okay, um, something like well, that. Where do I place my pre order? Uh, I, I've only literally just received them, so I'm going to refine them a little bit. Um, but I'll I'll have them uh, at future events. I've got so. a couple of cars that I can volunteer as a prototype cars if you yeah. if you need that as well. <laughs> Will it come with a um, with a stopwatch holder, or should we get our own? I, I don't have them but I want to look into getting that done as well. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, sure, yeah. that'd be so cool. I'd love to do. I'd love to get on board with that. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, the the my original one, the Targa, is becoming more and more of my car that I can play around with and do things with now. So um, I'd love to whack one in there. That'd yeah, be cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you, do you plan to do this full time in the future or is this always going to be? Uh, yeah, I think just given the the rate of uh, interest and feedback I've been getting in the last 12 months, um, I've 
almost run off my feet with the time and if i'm putting into it now i'd love to make it a full-time thing yeah yeah um, i just ask ask because we do this yeah. podcast part-time and i don't know about ut and i don't think i could do it full-time <laughs> well you got to make the money and this is a funny thing you know whether it's in uh whether it's watches cars or or anything else really i i don't understand this concept of screwing people down so that they don't make a profit everyone has to make money you know you've yeah. got to and and yes it's a passion that's awesome but um even passions require money and so yeah you've you've obviously got to make the money to be able to do it full time so that then that's a slightly different uh situation as well but i'm i'm very much of like i go to a mechanic he's he's great people tell me he's probably you know not or certainly not on the cheap side but it's the the it's one of the least things that i care about communication being one trust being another doing a good job and and you know at the end of the day he has to i want him to remain in business i want him to to be around and that costs money so um yeah it's, i'm sure there's a big difference between wanting it to be a full-time job and it making enough money for it to be your full-time job yeah and yeah, what exactly. kind of what kind of stuff dom did you used to do as a mechanic or still do yeah so um my background uh i was at a toyota dealership uh, was at a private workshop initially, not for a long time. Uh, Toyota for 10 years um, on the tools and then progressed to being a service advisor. From there, moved to the Stillwell Motor Group. So did mainly okay. Vol- dealing with Volvo um, and a little bit initially was BMW at the very beginning, uh, but transitioning to Volvo. Um, towards the end of that stint, uh, I was service advising that, that whole time, but towards the end of that, I was a warranty manager right at the end. And... Um, and uh, more recently, uh, Mazda for 12 months, then COVID hit and I decided I needed a sea change and uh, like a lot of people I guess did. And for me, it was, I was looking at what I long-term, what I wanted to do and what I was doing now with the hours and everything and how the watches and all that was happening. So I decided to take on a, a role now where I'm just, uh, I'm actually ma- uh, uh, working at a car wash where I'm doing a lot more flexible hours so I can spread my time around between with family and with the watches and, and things like that. So I guess it's, uh, again, I, I like to use the word sea change for me um, and uh, no regrets, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love, you know, obviously working with cars and everything, but, yeah, I think uh, it, it was time for a change from the whole car industry. <laughs> yeah, and I still think it, I still flip cars and tinker with cars in the background at home and things like that you know restoring them that's that's never going to go away so it's a disease did you ever when you're working at steel wheel did you ever have any experience with dave uh i worked uh side by side with him a few times yes yes <laughs> yeah he's he's very prominent on the racetracks and that yes, yeah he is. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but the first day i did philip island it was a wet and horrible rainy day and it was a sprint day and dave was the like the people running the track day had brought yep. Dave on and he was, I think he was clerk of the course or something mm. um, that was making sure everyone's driving stands and everything were all right. Uh, but he also came and I think it was like four of us that were all new. He loaded us all in his, uh, I think it was like a V60 Polestar or something like that. Yeah. Yep. And drove us around before everyone else got on track and was pointing out the lines and Oh, there's a puddle there, so you might want to run a bit wide into this corner and things like that. Um, and yeah, he's because uh, my dad's raced for quite a while as well. He's he's known Dave for 
for a little while. Yeah, yeah. So, and whenever, whenever I see him at the track, he always says hello. So, yeah, <laughs> nice guy. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, he is. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's done a bit of thing with the medical cars on the uh, during Fiat supercars and things like yeah. that. I think. But yeah, so, and yeah. he's he's yeah. done some volunteering in the tower with supercars and stuff like that yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, the, the the car industry. It's um, you you who you bump into, and it's a it's a small world. You know, you you end up someone knows someone, or you bump into, you, you meet so many people through it. So, yeah. And as I found out, it's not what you know; it's who you know. Yeah. And um, yeah. you can get things that otherwise you, you wouldn't as a normal punter. So it's very cool. Yeah. Excellent. So where are we at, Tom? So I was just going to ask with the Veloce. Size-wise, it's 42. Uh, do you know the length of it? Uh, ooh, it's Tom's very odd... big on the length of things. <laughs> it's, it's, an odd, it's an odd shape because of um, it's almost a cushion case and the lugs on the back of it, uh, it's almost like a, two separate cases, if that makes sense, okay. so the way it's sandwiched together. Uh, I'm going to measure it now because it's a bit awkward to, uh, to give an accurate measurement because it depends where you where you're really measuring it from but uh it's about about 48 mil okay yeah yeah but it really it, it's an odd way of the the fitment of it so the lugs top and bottom are different heights so if you laid it flat yes. on a table okay it, it'd, it'd be sort of uh angled towards you like uh, if that makes sense so top up i guess in a way it's sort of like a um uh what's the what's the what's the name of those watches um my mind's gone blank now uh where it's like a stopwatch the crown's right on the top in the middle oh, the bull heads bull heads that's it yeah 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 yeah, way, yeah true it, yeah it's sort of it's set like i call it a semi bull head watch um just because yeah. it's got that offset dial yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a forty-two, but I mean, yeah. It, it, I imagine it almost wears like a forty for well, some you, reason. You want it, so you can... Well, I, no, I think you only brought the case along, didn't you, Dom? Yeah, I, I brought. Then? I brought both. I brought one with the strap, and then I had the right. case separate. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I reckon, because it's as you say, it's a cushion shape, but mm. it's but it's quite thick. Yeah. But the lugs are quite short, and they're as you say, one's quite down. So I yeah. reckon if I had to imagine, I would say it's a 42 that either wears like a 42 or even a 41 yeah. as yeah. opposed to a 42 that wears like a 44 Correct. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm just asking because I love the design, but you know how you design things for the 99%? Yeah. I'm that 1% that's on the too small range. So yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be okay, Tom, because I, I don't, yeah. I mean, 48 sounds quite long, uh, lug length but i don't think it wears like that at all it doesn't no not at all no no mm. Mm. anyway i'm sure we'll get an opportunity to try it on tom because we're all in melbourne luckily enough yeah. um but yeah i do love the turismo's design as well so talk us through you got the you got the the winder offset at um or the whole face is actually offset on a 45 degree it is yeah yeah so the that's again the original original driver's watches yeah um i think you go back to what's that the vacheron 1921 yeah that's probably the original the first driver's watch um which has the offset dial and that was mainly the reason is so you don't have to rotate your you know you restore your hand when you got it on the steering wheel so you're looking at it yeah. as a quick reference you can get the you know you, you, 
your twelves right where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of not many people are doing that with their chronographs or drivers' watches. So yep. for me, I, I wanted to tick all these certain boxes. So um, to again pay homage to that and be a bit unique um, mm-hmm. with the again it's chronograph. You've got the um, uh, the tachometer. You've it's got the forged carbon material. Then plays into like you know your Lamborghinis, your race cars, all that sort of thing. But um, also light and strong. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting part of it because light and strong, um, but the feedback that obviously when you hold a watch, if something's light, people also perceive it as being cheap. Yeah. So I've I've include it, it's not a, it's not as light as you would think it to be. Yeah. So that's why I refer to where it's almost got two cases. So the case back, it's, and I refer to it as the chassis. It's got like a, a chassis where it's stainless steel. And the, the, the forged carbon is almost like a, I guess, like a, 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 a cloth. It's like a, a shell that goes over it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's got a bit of the best of both worlds, I guess. So you've got a little bit of weight to it, so it feels quality. Um, but at the same time, you've got that forged carbon. I don't disagree that that's the way it might be perceived, but I think that's got to be changing in a hurry because yeah. so many, not so many, there'd be at least a dozen micro brands and even larger brands now that do have yeah. a forge carbon i think tag did one mm. uh i think um uh, it's, it's undercutting most of those at price point Bam, yes. bamford etc so i think it's something that actually the watch world needs to get sort of up to speed with and a little bit used to as opposed to the other way around so yeah. Yeah. um i think timing wise it should be fine yeah, I, w- yeah, I yeah. would say whether you want to talk about it or not, but I'd say your closest competitor is probably the Bamford. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but you have it smashed for originality. Mm. Well, that's just a case with the Bamford, really, isn't it? It's the same as their others. It's just a different case. Whereas, but it, even the, sorry, it's just a different material. The dial on the Veloce is it's a very nice mix of modern and vintage. Like the hands are very. That's exactly what I was going for. Old Italian steering wheels and the lollipop seconds hand and the the two subdials. One of them's like a regatta timer and the other one's kind of like a, almost like a skipper or something like that. Running seconds or something like that. Yeah. But then the the whole tachymeter and everything is very new, modern, very beautiful. Pretty pretty much got it spot on. Yeah, that's what I was going for. A bit of a mix of, you know, yeah, yeah nice old style mixed with modern something a bit original unique so yeah yeah hmm. many try i don't think any pulled <laughs> off as as well as this <laughs> and that was it i just wanted to say when you look at it and you can't really say oh that looks like this or it looks like that it's just it's, it's its own it's its own model so yeah and that's sort of what i want to go with with all my all my designs so yeah yeah Oh, it's amazing. I can't, you know, as I said, I, I can't imagine what it takes to get to get the first one out the door, let alone this one, which is so dramatically different to mm. to most watches. So yeah. it's amazing. Congratulations. And I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how it goes. And Thank to you. the next one that comes yeah. after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, we'll wrap it up here with uh, recommendations. I'll go first because for once I was prepared and looked ahead um so i picked one that's not going to be for everyone um because it's more 
It's an account that highlights a lot of um, serving individuals and their watches and the units that they're a part of. It is watches underscore dental, but with a dot between the T and the A. So it's W-A-T-C-H-E-S underscore D-E-N-T dot A-L. Uh, I believe the guy that runs it is Australian. Um, and it's very, very Bremont heavy, as you can imagine. D-E-N-T dot A-L. No? D-E-N-T yes. dot A-L, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, picture is interesting. Bremont and some cameras. Is he an Aussie? I believe so, yes. Okay. He's obviously a big Bremont man. Yeah, because Bremont do a lot of um, yes discounts for serving members and also do a lot of special models for different units. There you go, Dom. One of his posts uh, has the Jujaro Ripley with with a knife and some patches. I love. I like his yeah. compositions. It's cool. Watches, lots of patches. Very cool. Yeah. yeah I just thought I'd do something different and actually do. Have it. you ever tried on that Jujaro, Dom? I haven't. No. No. I haven't uh, actually, either. You know, I, I don't even know if I've seen one in person. I'm trying to think now. Yeah, I'm not sure I have either. Yeah. But geez, they're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, hang on, let me double check. Are you going to be in, I think, Canberra at any time? Uh, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> okay. Um, there's a guy, I'm pretty sure he's based out of Canberra, um, Vintage Seiko. Okay. Um, he's an Aussie guy that does uh, collect Seikos and things like that, and he's a Holden man. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to see if he has a Jujaro or not. Well, let's generally, let's do it. I mean, I don't know where we get the feedback and you probably get it, Tom, and I don't, but let's put a shout out there. Anyone who's in Melbourne who has a Jujaro uh, or Ripley, I should say, for us to try on, love to know about it. Yeah. No, he's good. That's a great recommendation. I like it. It's just really interesting. I love all the stuff. So many knives. <laughs> yeah. God, don't get me into knives. I'm sure that'd be... I think, kni- I think- knives is like you can... Get away with it and on Instagram. I think guns gets a bit. I think Anthony Defining Time um, has a few knives. He's into his pocket knives. Yeah. From memory. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I'll jump in because I've also been a little bit organized for once as well uh, with my uh, recommendation. And uh, I'm returning the favor. Uh, but I better just make sure I've got the. Yeah. So it's Outlaw Garage. 2013 so all one word um 2013 and i'm returning the favor because scott who runs uh outlaw garage he i think his main platform is actually youtube Uh, he's obviously got an instagram account he in the last month or so released a video he made of my 74 911s sportomatic um that we recorded ages ago like i'm thinking we like i don't know it's a long time ago and he's been threatening to release it for so long and he finally did and i i loved it i love having my car sort of um uh, captured for essentially forever on the interwebs and 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 to see it uh online was was fantastic so um Returning the favour, shout out to Scott. Uh, check out Outlaw Garage two zero one three if you haven't already. He's got a few really nice nice watches as well, but I don't personal, but I don't think he really posts them. I don't think um, he's got a Monaco from memory at least, um, and uh, he's very active. So check that out. What about you, Dom? Did you have a 
Instagram or other recommendation? It doesn't have to be an Instagram uh, one. Oh, I hadn't really thought about this one. I'm sort of, um, but but we'll um, yeah, yeah. Um, but just off the top of my head, lately I've been I've been looking at um, a lot of uh, AI stuff on Instagram. Especially, right, I think it's the new craze, I guess. But um, okay, one one that recently popped up. Um, something look at it here. It's uh, uh, it's an improbable future. So an underscore improbable underscore future. Um, he's uh, he or she has um. Okay. Some really cool stuff on there. Watches as well. Um, Checking it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've sort of just been fascinated lately by by this sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. So hang on. How does he use? He uses AI technology yeah. to to like warp these images, or how? What just are we talking to, here? I believe it's just generating. Just really, it's just from scratch, I guess. But it's taking a bit of referencing from different things that already exist. I think that's yeah. how it works, I guess, yeah. I've but seen it, something around this as well, similar. I don't know if it's this particular person or not, but but this is absolutely starting to to happen, isn't it, to sort yeah. of use AI yeah. in many different ways. And one would have, I guess in some ways, I would have thought art would be one of the least, mm. sorry, the last areas that you would use it. And yet you have a look at this and you go, yeah, I get it, I understand. Mm. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Dom. We'll wrap up the podcast uh, here and I'll just end it because I can cut in all the stuff later on. Well, um, so Fifth Wrist is a website by the community for the community. Follow us on Instagram at Fifth Wrist on Instagram. Find all of us on Instagram. Uh, our handles will be in the show notes. We've got a Slack community, which is good fun and where events are organised um, and banter's had over new watch releases and new watch purchases. Just send a message to um, either the Fifth Wrist account uh, or one of the hosts and they'll get you organised to be added into the Slack group and otherwise stay on time. Fifth Wrist is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact at fifthwrist.com and join the movement.